Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, everyone. Dave. Hey. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things, so Craig, good. All right. I have two good things this week. They are actually related to each other in a roundabout way. Um, I want to give a shout-out to two YouTubers that make some amazing videos. The first one is a name, uh, a guy who goes by the name Summoning Salt. His thing is to make history of world records for various different uh, video games. And it is a very, it's a very, very good series. He will show you the different world records that have happened over the course of, let's say, about 20 years or so. Because that's basically what we have records for. Um, he'll, he'll talk about the different techniques that allow for games to be run faster and faster. And maybe you don't necessarily care about speedrunning, but... He makes very interesting content, and I just highly recommend just sitting down, giving a watch of one of a game that you might enjoy, and just, just sort of seeing like what it went through. Really interesting stuff. Um, the other guy goes by the name Bismuth, and he does an in-depth analysis of current speedruns. So he'll take a world record speedrun that just happened, and he will break it down piece by piece. Um He'll show you every single glitch technique input that was done to achieve what the speedrunner has done. And and he also talks about the mechanics of why certain things uh, work. I didn't think I would really enjoy it that much. Like, I, I, OK, I'm into speedrunning, so maybe it does sort of fit what I like. But uh, he's going into depth in depth about games that I didn't necessarily care about. And I'm learning about how the game is programmed. And why it does what it does. And it's just really, really neat stuff. So I highly recommend both of these guys. Uh, I have put a link in our Discord uh, to their latest videos. Um, so that way you can just give it a watch in your free time and see if you like it. Uh, you can get our Discord through our Patreon. There's a link to it. You do not have to donate to us, although we enjoy when you do. Um and then you can just come join our Discord and talk about whatever. And and there's some links in our good things where we post all of our good things that we've ever recorded. So Patreon.com slash CosmereCast. C-O-S-M-E-R-E-C-A-S-T. Gotta get that plug in there. Well, if you're going to mention it and then not give the website, then what are you even doing? <laughs> that's, I guess, I, I leave it up to you, Mike. That's, okay. That's your job. Uh, all right. So, was that everything you wanted to get in, Craig? Sure. Unless you guys had anything you wanted to add. Not really. I know Dave has, I think, watched some of Summoning Salt stuff. I watched the a, a couple of them. I watched the Super Metroid one, obviously. I think I saw the SMB one, Super Mario Brothers one, and the Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Oh, blindfolded. that one was good. The Mike Tyson's Punch Out blindfolded. His okay, was pretty good. I, I I don't watch a lot of. YouTube videos that are I'll, I'll sit and watch YouTube for two or three hours straight, but I'm somehow reluctant to turn on a video that's over 30 minutes long. I, I don't understand this about myself. Well, no, I, I understand how that is. That's why I was sort of reluctant to originally watch. Well, Bismuth, because he's newer to me. Summoning Salt, like the moment I watch his videos, I'm like, as soon as they come out, I'm watching it. I don't care how long it is. It's good stuff. Um, but it just goes by fast or you can just break it up into chunks. Um, his Mike Tyson one was really good. I actually followed some Twitch streamers because of the summoning salt videos. Like he'll, he'll showcase certain runners. Uh, that's how I found out about this guy, Arcus, who's the world record holder in Ninja Gaiden. He's such a chill, cool, family friendly dude. And I found him through summoning salt. Ah, you should post a link to his channel and good things. Sure. Alrighty. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the videos. I just, uh, sometimes it's just the algorithm, and sometimes it's just the oh that guy with the hat. I think I do follow him. Sometimes I just like ah, uh, it's over thirty minutes. I don't know. I mean, personally, I'm always looking for family friendly Twitch streamers, which 
seems to be hard to find, but especially now that we have a baby, we don't want her learning bad language. A lot of streamers curse, and now I'm looking for streamers who don't, and that can be hard. Arcus is one of them. You know, we got Big John. He's he's another won't curse. Fruit Bats, pretty family friendly. Fruit Bats um, and Sn- Baylor Lord cover a good chunk of your day. Snarfy Bobo doesn't really curse. He does like Mario related things. Uh, Chrisum, 360 Chrisum. He does a lot of Mario related things. He doesn't really curse. Oh, wow. Arcus is on the same stream team as Puexel, Fred Coglin, and Lakatech, and Feasel, who doesn't stream. Oh, wow. And Big John, of course. The, like the keeping it PG uh, stream team. So with that extremely smooth transition, uh, Dave, what's your good thing? Not lampshading. Uh, my good thing this week is Givalia French Roast Coffee cooked in my French press. Uh, uh, shout outs to our good friend Salvatore who introduced me to the French press at a GDQ a couple years back. And it's my favorite way to prepare coffee now. So, yeah. Wait, it's, uh, you're telling me Stinkoman isn't your good thing this week? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> I played it. It was good. Um, but, yeah. I, anyway, yeah, you just derailed my whole train of thought. All right, next thing. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so my good thing this week is Oceans 13. Uh, that is the third of the um, Oceans movies. And I feel like it's the best of the trilogy. It uh, it uses like a lot of the same tricks and tactics that Oceans 11 used to keep the audience from asking questions by moving too fast so that you didn't notice when literally nothing about that movie made any freaking sense. It was just a fun ride. Uh, but... 13 also had apparently at least one pass through the script to make sure things made sense. So it's the best Oceans movie. I, I remember Oceans 11. I enjoy it. Uh, I have to rewatch the, the other two, and I haven't seen Oceans 8. Uh, the wife and I watched Oceans 8 last night. It's fine. It's a different director, and there's definitely like a different style to it that you know I went in expecting like the style of the Oceans movies, and I didn't get that. Um, and I wonder if, like, a second watch not expecting that would make it work better. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Ocean's 13. It's, it's like, all the all the fun and the style and, and the, the tricks to make you not notice stuff without the need to make you not notice stuff. Because stuff actually makes sense and works. So, Tori? My good thing is the new year. Everyone's always so full of hope and expectation for the new year. And I'm not just talking about the fact that 2020 was pretty widely agreed upon to be a dumpster fire. Um, But just, I don't know, everyone feels good and like like they're going to do it this year. Revitalized. Yeah, like... Um, so yesterday, uh, was my one Saturday a month to work at the library. And, um, when I was in there in the morning and I was, uh, printing off the, uh, paging slips. So these are the books that everybody has requested. Um, and I, have got to go pull them off the shelf and put them on the, on the cart so that they can get delivered to these people's, uh, home libraries. Pretty much all the books were self-development and vegan cookbooks and, get fit exercise books and it's like everybody's just got this energy at this time of year and i don't do new year's resolutions myself but guys like you should resolve to do something fun like treat yourself like resolve to sing in the shower or to you know go get a massage more often or whatever it is that you do to feel good about yourself make that your resolution and then you know, don't beat yourself up for not keeping it. That's it. So I think I mentioned last year uh, during New Year's that uh, I watched a video about not necessarily holding New Year's resolutions so much you should have a theme for the year. So it's less restrictive. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I was just about to mention that someone posted in our Discord uh, a link to the CGP Grey video on having a theme for the year, and that seems to work. I was actually thinking, Tori about how I wanted to, to make it my good thing to be the new year. But at least one of us did, so I'm glad you did. That, that was it. Okay. Uh, so, Dave, there were some chapters this week 
in uh, mm-hmm. some book. I don't remember which. Uh, 42 through 45 of some book by... It was probably Brand... one of those New York Times bestsellers by Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson. Ah, oh, yes. I don't know if this was a bestseller, but it's from a best-selling author, it says. This is uh, Words of Radiance, The Stormlight Archive, Book 2, Part 1, Chapters 42 through 40... Whatever I just said. 45? 45. I sure Chapter hope 40. it's 45, because that's where I stopped. Chapter 42. Oh, I had a dream this week where for some reason I was supposed to read double the chapters and so I read like I read chapters for the first episode and they're like all right and you guys were like all right Dave you ready to read the second episode I was like uh I gotta go read the chapters for the second episode uh all right chapter 42 is titled meal vapor uh breakfast Polona is figuratively divine span read code illusion glamour Time for Tyne's apprentice to meet the ghost bloods. Uh, remember, we left Shalon off in uh, Uncle Sabariel's uh, employ. His mistress, Polona, set her up quite nicely, and now she's got some breakfast going, and that's pretty cool. She's got the Spanreed going off, and she figures out like the secret uh, checksum for Spanreed messages. So, well, she and pattern kind of figure it out together and so she's setting up to go meet the uh ghost bloods tonight and uh so she puts on uh she spell she draws a picture of herself and spell weaves herself into a dark-eyed lady with uh brown hair and yeah she's got the disguise thing that she does and that's the end of chapter 42 oh she messed up the nose a little bit I don't know if that's important. You sound super impressed with her, her light weaving ability. I she's done it before. <laughs> it's old hat. So that's that's what it takes to impress Dave is to do something for the first time, and that'll impress him, and then never again. Every time you do it after that, not impressive. You've done it before. I she did it a little better this time. Like I think she she dark eyed herself and changed her haircut. She did. She's getting better. Uh, it's kind of like. You know, she, you know, the better you get at soul casting, the better you are at convincing things in the cognitive realm to change their form or something. It's like you can make a bigger leap, like, uh, you know, being able to turn a stick in a fire or like a stick into a microscope, you know? You can turn rocks into food. And you can turn Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore into a cook to make your food. I was about to say, rock turns food into food, or stuff into food. Who turns stuff into food? Rock! Look! Numuhukumakiaki Ayalunamore turns chill dung into food. <laughs> but only Guys, that once. Do you have cliff notes? I know Dave doesn't, but Mike, do you do you see, like, do you have his name written down so you can pronounce it, or do you no, just got it No, I just said it often enough that I have it now. Okay. You could yeah, too same. if you tried. I could. <laughs> I like it, Tori's it approach of not never of saying anything. Sorry, Tori, what what were you saying? Well, you you told Craig he could too if he tried. I was saying it would probably take a lot of tries. Well, took me a few and tries. You guys too. would enjoy that no, one, you more than the usual amount of tries. Mm-hmm. You would enjoy every single try. Numuhuki Makiaki, I Luna more. Tori, no, you were <laughs> the other one. I'm I'm alone. This can be our new Patreon level. You get to pronounce Numihuku Makiyaki Ayaluna more. No, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. People don't want to do that. I don't know. Imagine if we get other Horn Eater characters at some point. Like Shalon. What was her Horn Eater princess name? Princess, uh... Mm-hmm. Quick, check the copper mind. I don't think that's in there. Uh, Princess like Angelina. I got it. Princess Angelina Contessa Luisa Francesca Banana Fana Bobesca the Third. We call that, her Dot. That yeah. sounds like something she would come up with. All right, so back to. Are we still on chapter forty-two, or did you finish that? I've pretty much done that. Okay, chapter forty-three. Chapter forty-three. Uh, it's the one that chapter forty-two leads up to. It's the one's the Ghost Bloods. Uh, Shalon Litters. I just. Oh, I don't. She got a candied apple or something and she throws a stick on the ground and wasn't very happy with that she could have at least thrown it into the chasm 
Uh, or I heard she you like turned it into fire. <laughs> Maybe. Um, on that, so in the like more populated parts of Roshar, they have rules about not putting your trash out to to let the high storm blow it away. Um, but on the shattered plains, they they don't have those same rules, so that's just what they do. They just they, they just throw the trash on the ground. Yeah, they just leave the oh. trash out for the high storm to take off somewhere else. Not my problem. <laughs> It just it takes it over to Shen. I mean, or more than Shen, likely, it's gonna uh, fall in one of the chasms and Shinovar. It'll probably fall in a chasm, or it'll get blown all the way to Shinovar, or it'll get creme coated and stuck in place and become eventually a mountain. <laughs> so that's how the shattered planes were formed. <laughs> They're just fighting over popsicle sticks at this point. <laughs> Roshar and landfill. That's what it is. Hmm. Yeah, in in populated places, uh, I believe they soul cast their trash regularly. You know, that's actually funny. The shattered planes are to the east, and if the stuff doesn't fall into the chasm or become cramped, it would make its way to Alethkar, because that's to the west. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on, guys. Secondary good thing. My husband just brought me Taco Bell. I totally wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh, sweet. I wish they still had anything right. good on their menu. But all the good things are gone. Rest in peace, Taco Bell. You did this to yourself. All right, Dave. Chapter 43. So she litters. Uh, I heard you like basements with your basements. Mirage. Mr. A. Maraise. That has something to do with corn. Maraise. Oh, Maze. Maraise. Who is that? Maraise is the... He's the, just this guy, he, you know. Is he the big guy in front of the basement? Or is he the guy with the... Oh, is he the guy that throws the, with the blowgun? Yes, he is. Uh, he's the guy with the blowgun. All right. Amaram is my prey. Amaram's life belongs to another. The problem with sneaking about uh, is that nobody trusts you. Uh, Man, I read these a few days ago. Then should have taken better notes. You the problem take it with here, sneaking Craig? about <laughs> no. is that everybody thinks you're a mercenary. And the problem no, with being... hear your interpretation. So Shalon meets with the ghost buds. They they live in this basement underneath this other basement. Uh, guy she talks to keeps shooting blow darts dangerously close to her face. You know he's aiming for a target on the wall, but he doesn't seem to mind if she gets in the way. So remember they wanted to meet with Tyne. 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 G G. They wanted to meet with Tyne. But uh, Tyne had to send her re- her apprentice for some reason. Because and... she's dead. Oh, what? <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me that Mr. Devar is dead. <laughs> Spoilers, dude. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me that uh, King Gavilar is dead. Right. So, I guess this guy wants to kill Amaram, but someone else wants to kill Amaram. I don't know, but he's still okay uh, robbing him or getting information from him or whatever he wants uh, Tyne and her apprentice to do. And they're kind of like, ah, we, I kind of like you. I'm not going to kill you right now. But they do send uh, they do send this lady in a mask to kind of trail her. Chalon ducks into an alleyway and... Uh, soul cast herself into the wall, and now she's a wall. GG. It's the end of Shalon. Now she illusions herself as a wall, and then Mask Lady's like, Where'd she go? Oh, she lost me. Nuts. See you later. And then the problem with sneaking about, I forget, it was like trying to sneak back in. I don't remember. What was the problem with sneaking about? Well, you, first you have to clip into a wall. <laughs> and, you know, that's hard to do without boots. But luckily she has boots. Kaladin's boots. For now. Every anyway. episode we're going to mention the boots, aren't we? Is, I'm going to try. I am going to try. And it, it beats having a D&D or Harry Potter reference in every episode. Oh, you did it! You mentioned the thing! Yeah. Uh, the problem with sneaking about is if nothing seemed to have gone wrong, you rarely know if it was because you were safe or if someone had spotted you and just not done anything yet. That's what it is. So, like, this went smoothly, but she doesn't know... If she actually did a good job, or if they just haven't capitalized on catching her yet. She got away, and that's the important part. She didn't die. She died and didn't. So, do we have anything for this chapter, or shall we move on to the next one? Moving uh, on. Let's go. 
right. Chapter 44. One form of justice. Scarves are becoming popular. Teft ain't grouchy. He just has a low threshold for stupidity. Light-eyed girls are icky. Oh, Adeline, I didn't notice you there. In before Kaladin likes the new souls. Moash wants to kill the king. Alright, so we're... Uh, some of Kaladin's elites are going to start practicing with a shard blade so that they can learn the stances and learn to better defend against the stances. They're not learning directly from uh, the Swordmaster, but from one of the Ardents here. And Kaladin doesn't want to touch the shard blade, so but uh, Moash and Teft and the other guy whose name I don't remember all practice with the shard blade, and Moash was, seems really excited about it. Huh. And then Shalan shows up, and Teft is like, hey, she's hot, huh? And Kaladin's like, she's a light-eyes. Light-eyed girls are icky. And then Adeline's like, ah, she came to watch me practice. But she walks right past Adeline and goes to the art, and she's like, ah, I want, I want to make some sketches of all of the all of the shard plates and shard blades and such. And Adeline's like, huh, nice try. I know you're just here to watch me practice. Uh, but Shalon does also bring Kaladin's boots back. Uh, she had the soles changed, and Kaladin was like, but I liked the way they fit. But I bet he'll actually like them when he tries them on. Be more comfy. Um, and then Moash comes to Kaladin. He's like, hey, I got a secret crush request to crush the king. And Kaladin's like, Oh, but we're, our job is to protect the king. And Moshe says, oh, no, our job is to protect Dalinar. I'm I'm down with that, but I want to kill the king. And Kaladin's like, uh, maybe you shouldn't do that. I'm gonna, I should probably tell Dalinar this, you know. And he's like, no, we're bridge four. You said I could trust you. And, you know, he, Moash promises not to kill the king yet until Kaladin has a chance to meet with, uh, meet with the other people. And... Kaladin promises to have a meeting with these other people before he rats Moesh out to Dalinar or does anything about that. So we're going to have this meeting. And uh, I, I do like we get some... So we do get confirmation that Moesh does want to kill King Elokar. And we find out why as well. Moesh is... sure you predicted. Yeah, it was going that way. I mean, it might have been like my first guess. <laughs> I don't know. I was just glad he didn't doesn't want to kill Dalinar. But anyways, so... Yeah, Moash uh, is, wants to get revenge on the king because he had his parents put to death. All his grandparents, who were like his parents, they raised him. They had him put to death because they owned a silversmith shop that was in competition with one of the king's friends. So he's like, yeah, I'll take care of them. So he arrests them, and then they're like, hey, we're second non. We get a trial. And he's like, oh, oh yeah, uh, wait in this prison while I get your trial set up. And then basically lets them rot in jail. Uh, and they like they were 75 years old when he threw them in jail, and they just died in jail. Uh, so yeah, that's there's Moash's means, motive, and operandum. Mean, wait, yeah, that's what Moash wants to kill the king, and why. And that's the end of chapter 44. Means, motive, mode. Nobody, no crime, Sean. Nobody, no crime. Who yeah. needs to reference Harry Scott? Potter when we can just reference Psych every episode? Nobody, no crime. And where's Yasna's body, hmm? Well, she didn't commit... She did commit a crime, though. She committed many crimes. <laughs> she <laughs> definitely committed murder. But there was no body because she turned it into fire. <laughs> well, she turned one of them into crystal. Oh, so, there's a body. There is a body. A body is a crime. All right, so, so what do you think of Moash's uh, motivation? Makes sense. I'd probably hate Light Eyes, too, if I were these guys. But Dalinar seems cool, which is kind of interesting that everybody seems to like Dalinar. Even Sylphrena. Even though, well, Dalinar gave up his blade, his shards. Maybe that's why Sylphrena likes him. Maybe. Uh, Hamija says, it isn't really murder, just aggressive sculpting. <laughs> no. No, it was... Okay, so let's let's recap that, because I feel like going into it. Uh, the first one she kills is self-defense, although she went out of her way to self-defense, and that makes things murky. Um, but the second, mm. third, and fourth, completely unnecessary, not self-defense, actively murder. They they were running. Yeah. They were trying to get away. 
Yeah. She was no longer in any danger. Uh, and, yeah. However, Yasna is the sister to the most powerful king in or on Roshar. And if she actually were to face any sort of legal repercussions for her actions, uh, it would start an international incident. Thus, she is functionally uh, immune to all laws everywhere and, and can just break the law whenever, in whatever way she likes. But yes, she did commit murder three times and left one body. So given that she can get away with anything... She doesn't commit that many crimes. She's not exactly going around stealing money and... Okay, she's not willy-nilly killing dudes. She is picking on uh, criminals. So she's a bit of a vigilante rather than a... Yes, let's all applaud Yasna's restraint in not committing all the crimes. (laughs) I'm just saying you make her sound evil and I'm saying she has reasons. There's, There's justification from her side of the story. Uh, I'm saying that the fact that she can't face consequences for it means that her decision-making process for this isn't the same as it would be for someone else. She is in an extremely privileged mm. position. Yeah, agree. And and thus, uh, it is not necessarily the uh, the noble action that it gets ascribed. Yeah, agreed. So, yes. And Texas Blade says, hadn't those people killed people already? Um, probably. We we get yes, that kind of... That was confirmed. Well, we get that That's kind true. of third hand, and we don't really revisit it. We don't know that those specific people had, just that there were murders that had taken place in that in the, on that street. That's what makes it vigilante justice, because they didn't get a trial or anything, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, I feel like we're falling into an end-justify-the-mean type conversation here, because Texas Blade mentions they deserved it because they killed other people. But still, the fact that she's taking on the role, the responsibility, essentially the judge and executioner, she's taking on that role. Is that really her place to do so? Well, what we're about to get into is an argument over whether or not Batman should exist. (laughs) Uh, But Batman doesn't try to kill. No, uh, Batman, you know what, I I don't feel like Batman is is specifically anti-killing, so... Let's talk about Rorschach instead. <laughs> well, that's that's getting into a completely separate thing, and we're about to start a chapter that is one of the best in this book. If if Dave, were you done with uh, chapter forty four stuff? Did you have anything else? Nah, that's good. Okay, uh, I'd like to move on to chapter forty five instead of discussing Batman versus Rorschach versus <laughs> should I, comic I like... book character vigilantes exist. I like how we take a chapter about Kaladin and somehow talk about Yasna. It's just what we do. She's still alive, that's all. Yeah, that was how we got onto that topic. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, chapter 45. Chapter 45. Middlefest. Three and a half years ago. Do green chickens come from green eggs? Yek, son of none. Uh, Aelita. Yek, gambling pavilion. Rust monster fights. Balatalia, yeah, Balatlia, okay. Uh, Hoyt or something shows up, I don't know. Uh, here you go. <laughs> What's that bullet is... point? You uh... have all these weird ones, and then you're like, oh, and Hoyt's there, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like half the chapter. Alright, so, Middlefest is like the, the, the fair carnival type of deal Shalon goes to. Is a 14-year-old, and she sees these green chickens. She's like, Psh, I've seen chickens before. And the guy's like, but these are green chickens. They talk. And they're like, hi there. Where are you today? Welcome to the middle fest. And she's like, I feel bad for them being in a cage because they can talk. I wonder how they taste. I don't remember who Yek is. That was the chicken's name. Oh, Yek is the name of the chicken? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the owner's like, Yik, say your name. And the bird's like, Yik. That's what it said. It didn't say that other stuff I said. It might have also uh, said those things. We don't know. <laughs> Probably. So there's uh, some weird like stylish, like stylistic things that I'm kind of going to call out in Chapter 45. Um, one of them is like, just really minor, and it might even just be a typo. Uh, it's the... The guy that comes to see Bright Lord Devar, 
he has a master servant, and in one instance, master servant is hyphenated, and in another, it's not. So that's confusing. But one of like the, one of the things that I actually didn't like stylistically here is how Bright Lord Devar is referred to as father, not Trelon's father, not whatever else, just like straight up father, as if this were being told directly by Shalon instead of being in third person. And it kind of took me out of it for a moment. It was a little, it was like, so kind of like a little jarring. Um, so, and it happens throughout the chapter. So it's obviously intentional. So I'm not really sure like what, if there was like a literary purpose to having it be a little closer to first person than most of the writing of the rest of the book. But yeah, I just wanted to call it out. Cause I was like, yeah, this is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, and then remember Ailita from the dinner party from before. She had a she had a thing for Balat, who is now non-Balat because the older brother was disowned officially here. And Yix is uh, kind of like Shalon's escort. He wasn't told directly to like go grab Shalon and come back. She just kind of like snuck out when the the dude talking to Shalon's dad was like, "Should she be here?" And she was like that's it i'm out of here just kind of like leaves without calling attention to herself but anyway yix comes after her and she's like did my father give you a direct order to take me back he's like uh she's like let's go gambling and they go to the gambling pavilion and they go to the rust monster fights the axe hound fights and balat is there and she's uh she's kind of setting up a thing between balat and alitia alita she noticed that they kind of liked each other and then you know she goes to her other brother, whose name I don't remember, and gives him some math problems. And he's like, you can't fix all of us. You can't you can't buy me off with a girlfriend. And she's like, I brought you math. And he's like, okay, I'll do your math. And he, you know, he turns out to enjoy it. And Hoyd was there to deliver a message to Shalon's father from uh, this brother whose name I forget. Anybody remember? Helleran. Helleran? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Hellerin's like, go tell my dad, and then Hoyd goes, I'm guessing it's Hoyd, he doesn't say what his name is, but he seems he seems pretty Hoydy. He's wearing all black, he's telling stories and asking questions that he doesn't necessarily, asking a bunch of rhetorical questions, and he tries to... Yeah, I think we can confirm that is indeed Hoyd slash Wit. Yep. <laughs> he, he's trying to awaken Shallan's uh, light weaving powers as well. In this, he's like, ah. he's like, do you talk to Spren? Did you ever notice Stormlight going out of spheres while you're nearby? So, yeah, I don't know. Hoyd seems to know that she is a lost radiant. And that's the end of this week's chapters. Uh, all right. Did you notice? Well, all the stuff around Hoyd is weird. But did you notice the the weird stuff that points to someone help me out here? What am I trying to say? Can you see what other investiture Wit is using? There we go. Uh, allomancy. He does use some allomancy. So the one thing is he puts some metal flakes in his drink or whatever, and he drinks it. And she's oh, like, that's, she's like yeah, "Is that poison?" And then he poison. drinks it, and it's like, "Oh, that's weird." And we know that's he's getting some allomantic flake. It didn't we say don't that know that. Flakes, we don't know okay, that. It could have been some of that. No, it could have been some of that Gatorade stuff that comes in a little package. <laughs> you know, I just thought it was like vitamins. Well, it doesn't say that it was metal. If it said that they were metal flakes, then... Well, they're I little flakes. You can't tell, but... I'm just uh, he does it indeed is actually use... dead. You can tell that there's a change in her emotions, so you can tell he's using zinc or brass. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'd also point out that uh, he seems to, like, after drinking that, he seems to, like, hone in on her, which also makes me think that there's some... Uh, what's the... What's the... Me- what's the seeker metal? The opposite of copper. Bronze? Bronze? Right. Yeah. Right. Bronze. Oh, yeah, make, bronze. Ma- makes me think that there's probably some bronze in there, too. Wait, can bronze detect investitures from other worlds? Bronze, dete- that's what it does. It detects investiture. It just, they have a different, uh, I guess, light or wave. What is it described? It's like a sound wave or something like that they that noticed. A, a different rhythm. Yeah, so it, they, it would have a different unknown rhythm compared to the 16 that they're aware of. I would also like to point out that directly after the confrontation with Hoyd, when uh, Shalon's dad is all angry, and and then suddenly he's not as angry. So mm-hmm. maybe Hoyd was using it on him a little bit, too. 
And maybe back in the Way of Kings when Sadius was calm and then suddenly very angry at wit. Hmm. No, that's just, nor- that's just normal wit reaction. Maybe there was something going on there, too. You look at Hoyt and you just get angry. Angry! Maybe he was, uh, he's also a Farukamist and he was storing his charisma mind, filling his charisma mind. Uh, I will say Hoyt does, is, does not use, from what we've seen, he does not use Farukami. I believe you. So, yeah. Did did you enjoy? So I preface this chapter as being one of the best in the book, largely because, because we get we get fun Hoyt, Hoyt stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Shallan gets to run around being being a, you know, fixing things for her brothers. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, in spoiler time, uh, I believe we will have quite a bit to say about about specifically this chapter. Indeed we will. Yep. Speaking of... Speaking of, uh, does anybody have anything else for Dave? Dave, do you have anything else for us? Or shall we go ahead and go to spoiler time? I don't have anything for Dave. Nope. All right, then uh, bye, Dave. Peace. Bye, Dave. Bye. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. And let's start spoiler time. Uh, uh, so I request to go first only because I'll be leaving in about 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, before we get into chapter 45, is there anything from you know 42, 43, or 44 you want to talk about? Yes, there is. The epigraph to chapter 42, which I'm going to read to you. But as for Isha and Len, his was part most important at their inception. He readily understood the implications of surges being granted to men and caused organization to be thrust upon them. As having too great power, he let it be known that he would destroy each and every one unless they agreed to be bound by precepts and laws. That's Ishar. Mm-hmm. He's, he's saying you need to become a knight radiant, like you need to become an organized order, or I'm just going to destroy you. Do it my way, or you're out, is essentially what he's saying. Uh, and this almost certainly happened because, uh, wasn't Ishar originally from, um, Ashen? Yeah, I think all the Heralds are. At least most of them. Maybe Talon wasn't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Ishar would have seen what, what happens when people have access to surges without any sort of controls on that. And at the time they would have been under Odium's overview, I guess. So yeah. Uh, You know, you, you bring up a good point. That's one of the backstories I want to read about. I want to know the, about the Heralds. Like, there's two books I want to read. I want Dragon Steel, and I want whatever story the Heralds have about how they were formed and came about. Well, good news, because two of the books in the back half, at least as of current plans, are supposed to be focused on two of the Heralds, uh, mm. those being Talon and Ash. So we Which should... means we're going to get some... Backstory yeah. to him. We should get a good amount of uh, of of time spent in the original desolations and the founding of the Oath Pact and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, hopefully, I I can't imagine Brandon holding on to that and just like giving us viewpoint characters who lived through it and then not telling us anything about it. That doesn't seem like something he would do. I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about was is the Ghost Bloods. So yeah. this is going uh, a bit no. They into... smell bad. No, they smell. This is going a bit in the Rhythm of War spoiler, so if you guys have not read Rhythm of War yet, I know our current listeners, that there's a chance of that. Hopefully our future listeners are all up to date on Brandon Sanderson or don't care about spoilers. Um, but this is sort of going into Th- Theta Carr, who we now know as Kelsier, um, and his... Uh, what's her name? The the lady with the mask. Um, Ayatil. I don't remember her name. Well... It makes a lot more sense that Mraze's Bask is the lady with the mask who happens to be, or at least it appears to be, someone from Southern uh, Scadriel, which we know Kelsier, they, he helped out, you know, to survive, and they sort of, they, they respect him. Yotel? Her name's Yotel? It's Ayatil, I think. Yes, it's oh, That's right, Te- Texas Blade listens to the audiobook. Ayatil. Yatil. Oh, I think it's pronounced Yatil. That's why it sounds like Yodel. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, she wears a mask like one of the Southern Skadrians. Um, 
So it appears that would be her ancestry. And that makes sense now that we know that the leader of the Ghostbloods happens to be Kelsier. Now, I will point out that we know that this takes place in the middle between Era 1 and 2. So this is probably after Kelsier sort of helps them survive, but not we're not in Era 2 yet. But still, they're Southern Scadrians. They were up the stuff. They were trying to survive the very harsh, cold weather from the Scadrill's new location in, the, in their solar system. Yeah, there we go. So we have all we, we get a little bit of a description of all of the uh Ghostbloods in chapter forty three. But I don't think we, we get anything outside of just a brief like what they look like. I mean the, the big one is uh Yatil. Oh, was this the chapter that shows us all the all the crap from around the cosmere? Yes. Yeah, okay. when they get to the basement when Shalon gets to the basement and there's cases on the shelves full of weird artifacts and we definitely see sand from Taldane and we see um a flower which is probably some tears of Edgley. Yeah. Um and one thing I wondered about is uh Shalon remarks on uh hey, is that a Santhid skull? I don't know, is it? Is it a dragon? Um aren't Santhids not dragon shaped at all? I don't know. Like we met one earlier in the book. Well, yeah, the rest of their shape, but are their skulls? It's it's like got a big got a big oyster shell on top of a squid body. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things that Shalon draws. Uh, anywho, moving forward, what else you got, Craig? Because you're on you're on a time limit. Yeah, I think that's it for not chapter forty five and Hoyt. All right, then let's go to chapter forty five. So you didn't want to do anything oh, for forty oh, four? Well, we also get the introduction of Vale. So hi, Vale. How's it going? 44 has Zahil, which I don't know. Tori, did you listen or read these chapters this week? Did we get any color? There were so many colors. Uh-huh. There were a and, whole and bunch Dave of them. And Dave is not saying and a thing. He specifically remarks on the on the language. And Zahil is playing, what did we call it? Hockey ball? Whatever we called it. <laughs> right. The, the game, the, game he's, the gods he's play. As, he's not as good as Light Song, of course, but he is playing the game. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So many references. Like, I think this would be the chapter you could figure out Zahil is Vasher. Or at least is a returned. So I think the problem is that Dave read all these a few days ago and took bullet points, but then completely forgot everything that actually happened. He would note, if if he started piecing together that Zahil's weird, I think he would have wrote that down. Okay, well... Whatever we can he, tell him, he, he types things in theory in his Dave Theory channel when something stands out. If if he doesn't work it out, we can we can tell him at the end of the book when Nightblood shows up. Maybe I think I still think we should wait until Oathbringer when Azure pops up because if he doesn't figure it out then, then we can tell him. I don't want to sit on it for that long. I want no, I, I want Dave want, to know. I want to I want to sit on it and then giggle about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Tori. I just. I just sort of want him to maybe if he asks us, like if he starts feeling something's weird, we can answer him directly. But I feel like if he doesn't notice, we don't say anything. Uh, after night, let's see what happens after Nightblood. No, I think if he asks us, we just giggle about it. <laughs> hey, is there something weird with Sile? <laughs> I don't know. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, forty-five. Big big Shalon flashback chapter. We get a lot of Hoid. Go. We do. He uses Alamancy, we went over that. Uh, he mentions the God Beyond, which seems to be something that other people in the Cosmere believe in, sort of like a greater God or something over Adonalsium. Or it over could be Adonalsium's cognitive shadow. Well, the, the references, and this is according to Coppermine Wiki, is that this is greater than the shards of the, of the universe. So it's it's something weird. A number of different religions like on Scadrial believe in it. So it's sort of like a people might mention it on a co on a Cosmere planet, but we don't know much about it yet. And also on uh Taldane or not Taldane, um Threnody. Yeah. It got I th I think Threnody is actually the first mention of it, isn't it? Maybe. And then I we get know. then we get um Miss Fornera 2 where there are all these religions and some of them Mention God Beyond stuff? I don't know. I thought I thought uh, Shadows for Silence was the first mention of the God Beyond. Let's see. It's in Skadriel Era 2. On Roshar, we have Hoid. On Cell, it was mentioned in, in Emperor's Soul. Oh, then that would have been. That would have been the first because that came out before 
uh, Shadows from And there's a Hoid perspective in the back of Elantris where he also mentions it, I think. The, the unknown god. And then you mentioned Threnody. They swear to the god beyond. Okay. We don't know much, though. And he also, Wit mentions, the shards here are very strict. Of course, directly talking about honor, cultivation, and odium. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, so one thing Hoid may have used instead of, uh, what was it, bronze? Brass, or, oh, you're talking about looking for investiture. Yes. Uh, yeah, he might have a bunch of breaths that he largely keeps suppressed. Yeah. That the life sense would also show up better with more investiture. So that that might be another way that he spotted Shalon. I feel like it would be easier with bronze, but... Right. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. Suppressed breath, if you get close enough, then then you could... Yeah, maybe. You could spot it also. And it wouldn't require any sort of like active burning on your part. So, so to put this in reference to the timeline, we know Era 1 has happened. We know that Hoid traveled to Scadrill through the Well of Ascension, stole a Larassian bead, which is why he has access to Alamancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somehow he has found his way to Roshar, where he's doing stuff. So he has access to Alamancy. He has access... I think we've seen some kind of sand weaving when he was over in uh, um, Nalthus. Which I believe happens before this. So yeah, he should have breaths. He he as far as we know, he has access to everything, but not light weaving yet because he bonds his cryptic at the end of this book. Well he doesn't have access to Roshar and light weaving. He has, No next book. Next book. He has a different kind of light weaving that isn't anywhere near as good. Yeah. So he's gonna get light weaving at the end of Oathbringer. Because because he does complain about it. Um he also, so at this point, he doesn't have any Roshar and Investiture, which means he is free to leave and not bound to the system by the Oath Pact. Um, but as of the end of Oathbringer, as long as the Oath Pact is in play and is blocking Investiture from leaving the Rosharan system, uh, he's stuck there. Or he found some way to like leave his friend behind while he goes off. I don't know how that would work. I feel like he'd just be stuck. So he's willingly becoming stuck at the end of Oathbringer. But we also see him in Era 2 of Mistborn on Scadrial, so he does definitely have a way of getting off-planet, because Era 2 happens after um, the the first half of Stormlight. So something got to happen. Either he figured out how to, how to break the rules, or uh, he or, or the Oath Pact goes poof. Yeah, something's got to happen. I mean, I feel like that's the theme of the whole 10 book. Something's going to be resolved with the Oath Pack. It might not necessarily mean that the Oath Pack just completely goes away. Because I know Dalinar has a plan to reform the Oath Pack to bind Odium. Maybe he figures out a way to bind just Odium and not like all investiture in a system. Maybe. Hard to say. We'll, we'll have to say. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, then I'm actually kind of done tori did you have anything i have quite a few things okay then why don't we kick craig off because he has to go do stuff uh let me see if i have time i'll I'll listen in uh but i probably won't say anything so see you guys later okay then tori go 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 okay so um oh no now i'm drawing a blank so in Shalon's chapter, uh, the flashback chapter, where Hoyt is having her is guiding her into doing a light weaving of what her perfect happy time would look. Uh, she mentions uh, mother still loves me, and her friend hasn't shown up yet, and basically ruined everything. And so this had me thinking. Uh, we talked about this before. What was Shalon's mom involved with? I'm I'm thinking it was probably Skybreakers. Um, so the Skybreakers go around and they kill off anyone who's showing signs of becoming irradiant. Um, so if they have... Re- and, and we also know that they have ways of finding these people that we're not aware of. Like, they, they even without witnesses or whatever, like, they can hunt these people down. Um, so they would have known somehow that Shalon was becoming irradiant. But you can't just bust in and be like, you know, I'm going to arrest this highly ranked light-eyed child. So, like, they would have had to go in and, you know, approach Shalon's parents and and be like, hey, look, let us convince you that your child is actually a monster so we can kill them. 
because they, they couldn't use the excuse of being, you know, the, the Rosharan police mm-hmm. to get Shalon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking this was a skybreaker, went to mom and was like, we got to kill your child and persuaded mom. Hey, and hey, let me kill your kid. Hey, listen, I need to kill your kid. Just, you know, very persuasive. Got the point across. And, and we know what happened there. Hey, so, and... sorry, I thought you were done. No, go ahead. Okay. Well, I have a different thing if you if you have more on this. Oh, well, and so then I'm thinking that Helleran uh, was trying to infiltrate the Skybreakers to figure out what went wrong. Because we know Helleran doesn't want to kill Shallan. Uh, but we also know he was involved with the Skybreakers somehow. And that he didn't actually join them. So maybe he went to went to them trying to figure out what was up and why this resulted in Mom's death and why they were after Shallan. And from there, he joined the Ghostbloods or whatever it was he joined. Uh, I thought it was Ghostbloods. I thought he was involved with, with the Ghostbloods and that's how he got his shards to try to kill Amaram. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about Shallan's timeline, specifically with regards to this scene. Uh, so... At this point, she has killed her mom and broken her bond with Testament, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know this because she has killed her mom, and the mother's soul in a box thing is specifically a reference to her breaking her, her bond with Testament and locking that away. However, she has not met Pattern yet. That doesn't happen until Carbranth. Correct. But she can still lightweave. Yes. So... She still has some aspect of her bond with Testament. She has to at this point, right? Right, because, well, we know that the Dead Eyes aren't really dead. They're they're just very wounded. I don't know. I don't know how that plays into it. Well, this whole thing is, is extra weird because this is the only example we we have at this point of a character who had a bond, killed their spren, and is still around. So Shallan still had some amount of of radiant power after turning Testament into a dead eyes. Yes. And yes. Well, so... I mean we know she we know she still has access to her blade, but then there's all these other dead eyes sprint wandering around Roshar as shard blades. So that's not unusual. Right. So my thinking is the blade that she uses right up until the end of uh, Words of Radiance, when she opens the Oath Gate, that's this book, right? Yeah, that's this yeah. book. Uh, is Testament, because she hasn't been able to, like, she's not at a level with uh, Pattern yet, where she's able to do that. Correct. Until then, my because, as well. because you need a living blade to work an Oath Gate, and she doesn't have one of those yet. She has to get to that level with with pattern, and we assume that that is that is the third level of uh, not the third oath the the second truth effectively. Um, so far, all of the orders that we've seen, you get a shard blade at level three. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, she still has some amount of a bond with testament, and she may have been up to level four with testament. She may have just gotten. To that point, like, she may be reforming the bond with Testament at the same time she's forming a bond and advancing with Pattern. Maybe. Everything's really fuzzy with Shallan. Shallan's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shallan's weird. So, yeah, she did a thing she shouldn't be able to do in this in this chapter based on information we know. Well, what it says to me is that um, breaking your Radiant Bond and turning your Spren into a Deadeye doesn't break the spren bond she is still bonded to testament somehow oh also uh dave pointed out that this chapter is written weird and i think that's intentional just to sort of give you some clues that shallan isn't remembering things exactly as they happened i was looking at it like we are so deep in shallan's brain like that's how deep she is like she's she's just shoving everything down deep deep to hide from her feelings and um so when dave was talking about how you know it's like it's third person but it's not it, it's because we're we're coming from a perspective that's deep inside of shallan's head yeah that's 
that's my sort of after-the-fact um, attempt to explain. It might have been that, like, that that probably is what Brandon was trying to do, and I don't know how well it worked because I didn't really notice it when I was reading it, but Dave did, so weird. Um, but yeah, that's that's my best guess with current info of why this chapter is weird. It could also be that just the editing kind of skipped this chapter, but I don't I don't believe that. There's there's too many people with eyes on on Brandon's stuff as he's writing for for something like that to go that weird. But they didn't notice the hyphen missing from Master Servant. I mean that that one is an that one's an editing flub probably. They just they just missed that step on the style guide, I guess, or hadn't put it in yet. Is the hyphen missing, or is there a hyphen where there shouldn't be one? Yeah, we don't know. I don't know. Someone at some point in this process has added that to a style guide, I guarantee you at this Someone point. else didn't know, and that's why they used one of each. Yeah. Just going to cover all their bases. Just, there is someone whose job it is to, to keep track of stuff like that, and they missed this one. So, but yeah, right. I just wanted to talk about um, how how different it was reading the this flashback chapter, knowing what we know from the end of Rhythm of War. Um, the other thing I wanted to address is, um, so Dave says, oh, and then they send Mask Lady to follow Shallan. Uh, no, we know Mask Lady is actually of higher rank than the rest of them, so nobody sent Mask Lady. Mask Lady went to follow Shallan because Mask Lady was suspicious. Yeah. Uh, best of my knowledge, she is the highest rank ghost blood on the planet. At least yeah, I, I don't. You are correct. At least I don't think we've met anyone higher ranked than her. Like Thydekar would be, but I don't know if there's maybe an in between step or two between him and her. But yeah, she's definitely the highest ranked ghost blood that we've that we've seen on page. So so yes, to your to your point, yes, absolutely. This was no one sent her. She sent her. Oh, and I, I don't think Dave picked up on the fact that all birds are chickens. So I don't I, think I, so either. I think he was imagining a green chicken, like legit. But we know that this is a parrot, possibly an aviar. Most likely, it's a parrot. I I think it's just a green chicken from Shinovar. Um, does Mraz have his aviar yet? I don't I don't think he it was mentioned that he had a chicken yet. I don't believe it was mentioned. So. Presumably, Mraze hasn't even gotten his AVR yet. And they sure did mention all of the other stuff in that creepy basement, so... Uh, Texas Blade asks, is it the same one? Uh, I'm thinking probably not, because Mraze was not at the uh, the fair. I thought his was red. No, his is green, okay. and the one that Lyft rescues is red. The one that gets attacked by the green one. Where'd that one come from? Um, there was an Ardent who had it, and Lyft finds the Ardent's dead body. Uh, actually, the red bird leads her to the body, um, but the guy's definitely dead. Okay, so Lyft also potentially has an AVR now? She does. It says at the end of the book, and she's acquired a chicken from somewhere. Okay, but um, is it an so AVR? Do we have confirmation on that? Why else would the other one have been attacking it? Uh, I assume it was an AVR because it was definitely, uh, it had some kind of bond with the Ardent that was dead. Um, so if you think back on it, the scene was Lyft sees the green chicken attacking the red chicken. Uh, she rescues the red chicken. The red chicken leads her to um, the body of its previous owner, which was, you know, several hallways away. Um, so this is an intelligent red chicken. Um and it just it displays a level of intelligence that leads me to believe it's an AVR. Okay, so in the same way that we should assume any Kremlin we see is probably part of a sleepless, we should equally assume any chicken we see is probably an AVR. Sound fair? That's fair. Okay. Hamija points out that um, anything with hollow bones on Roshar will be crushed by the storms. So, yeah, birds... Not so much a good pet choice on Roshar. Yeah, they don't seem to exist outside of Shinovar, like, in any capacity. There just aren't birds. There are sky eels, and that's that's the thing that flies. It's probably why chickens are so expensive. Yeah, so... Alright, I 
thought I was out before, and then I had another thing, and then I said it, and now I'm actually out. Do you have anything else? No, I, I think I'm actually out. I wanted to mention all the things about Vasher, but we did, um, and he was playing hockey ball. Is that what we called it? I don't remember. That's what I called it. Yes, hockey ball. And, um, but yeah, I think we covered it. Okay, well then, I say we ended here, and say bye, everybody. All right. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.